all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Yeah, Kiora. <laughs> what? Do you remember that? Anyway, uh, I'm Rachel. Yeah, I'm David. <laughs> and this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Sorry, we're clipping. Are we clipping? Had been having audio issues tonight. Looks um, like we're clipping again. It's not. No, that's not clipping. So okay. when it flattens out like that, sure. that's clipping. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, TikTok, and Titch. Twick talk and titch. <laughs> at all bad things pod, email us all bad things pod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Maybe that that is how we could make it big on the internet. We hmm. would just come out with an app that was Twick talk and titch. Twick talk and titch. Like a, some sort of compilation. Like yes. So, <laughs> if somebody, so if somebody Googled it wrong when they were drunk, <laughs> like that's that's where they wound up Twick on. Twick talk and titch. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's our idea. Do not steal it. The Republicans probably already have. They might have. Because don't they have their own social media platform? Yeah, but it's failing miserably. There's a shot. All two of them. (laughs) Getter getter and... um, Getter? Getter. G-E-T-R? G-E-T-T-R. Oh, double T. And uh, Truth Truth Social, Donald Trump's (laughs) website. website social media the failure is that the people who want to join that social media are all old and don't know how social media works here's what the failure is Mm. the denver broncos drafting quarterbacks they fail time and time again so they have to get at the yeah do do you know what happened i saw your facebook post yes Yes. i believe they got russell wilson they did yes Mm mm-hmm uh, a couple of years after they got Pey- Peyton Manning in his twilight. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, well, since we can't draft quarterbacks, mm-hmm. we'll just give, we'll just shovel money towards like a pretty good one. And anyway, I'm relatively disengaged from yeah. that conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm more engaged with it now because I don't even want to think about politics at this point in time. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, so feed you're just me. trying to derail. I'm like, feed me all the sports. <laughs> like I, I want all of them. That's fair. It's your escapism. <laughs> yes. Yes. I want I want nothing but Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. I want nothing but my PS5 mm-hmm. and sports right That's now. That's fair. That's fair. And your disaster. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. There we go. Oh, what are we drinking tonight? Uh, well, now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we some, had a full some start. Technical issues <laughs> that you uh, solved. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Well, you did. Changing the USB port to the microphone. technical problems are not my favorite if i literally had to explain to somebody what i had to do today to troubleshoot they they'd fall asleep and i don't want anybody to do that likewise yeah (laughs) we both have highly technical jobs in very different fields don't we (laughs) but at least people kind of know about computers nobody knows about a labeling machine or taxes. <laughs> there you go. Two out of three would put people to sleep. So you are now drinking. I am now drinking America's favorite national local beer. But uh, I am now drinking and you were drinking. I'm on my second, so fair warning, everybody. Uh, Boomerang Wit, Belgian style wit beer. From Big Boss. From Big Boss here in Raleigh. 
No, it's one of one of Raleigh's older breweries, and yeah, it's still, been there in a while. still one mm-hmm. of the best. Mm-hmm. It, they're the one in the old house, right? We've been well, there. like an old. No. Yeah, it's like a converted house because it has all those rooms. It has like shuffleboard and darts and yeah, you're right. Have pool. we? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we went. It's been a long. It has time. been a while. It's been a really long time, um, but it's good and it's very uh. Very whip beerish. It is whip beerish. It's good. It's yeah. it's refreshing. Yes. It's a good like spring summer beer. Very crisp. Yes. <sighs> yes. So do you remember? So I was saying at mm-hmm. the beginning, I said Kiora. Do I... you remember? I've said it before uh-huh. as a greeting because it's in a different language. Sure. Do you remember what language? I I don't know. It is Maori, my friend. Oh, okay. Do you remember where the Maori people are from? Uh, New Zealand. Very good. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Well, the, my horse in Red Dead Redemption 2 is named Kauri because... How is that spelled? Uh, K-A-U-R-I. Okay. And uh, it was somebody who watches my Twitch stream. She suggested the name oh, for the horse. Oh, nice. Was it a, is it a Maori name? Yes, I oh, believe okay. so. okay. That's neat. Hopefully they're not pulling your leg and it's something like... Who knows? <laughs> Whatever. I, I went with it. <laughs> so this is indeed a New Zealand disaster. Okay, another one. We seem to get a lot of um, Australian and New Zealand disasters and U.S. disasters. Yeah, we got to feed the fan base. We got to... Because for some reason we do have an Australian and New Zealand we fan do. base. We do. I love it. I love it. I'm mildly obsessed with New Zealand and definitely want to go I think there. I want to go mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is a listener script um, sent in to us by Caitlin. And I'm just going to use Caitlin's last initial just in case. Caitlin J. I don't know if people want like their whole name. We don't even really say our full names not on really. the pod. So not that hard to figure out, but still. Um, so this is from Caitlin J. Caitlin J. will know... Like, Who oh, it's me. Is. Yes. <laughs> I did write this. So, uh, Caitlin said, so I'm, I'm reading the, the email that Caitlin sent in with the, um, and I keep saying Caitlin because I didn't ask Caitlin their pronouns. So, um, Kiora, all bad things, which is what reminded me that that's how I should open it. Eep! I cannot believe I am sending a real life email to my favorite podcast ever. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> That's so sweet. What, what else are you listening to? <laughs> Maybe we're the only podcast. <laughs> that must be the case. <laughs> there, there are, like, I mean, there are much better. There are, <laughs> to be fair. Like, there's, like, hundreds of them. <laughs> Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> if not all of them. Yeah. I love the banter between you two guys. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I hope you're greatly enjoying so. this one so far. And the odd cat noise that pops up. It's also my cat's favorite part of the episodes, lol. (laughs) And the details you include. I love to listen to episodes before I sleep or when I am studying. Oddly keeps my mind at peace. There you go. I have a disaster for you. It is the 1953... Okay, I have the... I marked up all my pronunciations here. All right, the... Tangfai Rail Disaster that occurred in the North Island of New Zealand, and I hold it close to my heart, as my great-grandfather was a local farmer from Tahihapi, sorry, Tahihape, I wrote it out and just mispronounced it, who helped with recovering the bodies of those lost Mm. in the disaster. So Caitlin's great-grandfather 
help to cover bodies in this disaster. That's awful. Yeah, I mean, 1953 is 70 years ago. Almost. It is 70. It's 69 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, when I was like, great-grandfather, you yeah. must be so young, but yeah. really, this 20 years, years old, you can yeah. have a great-grandfather. Yeah, well, I mean, we can all yeah. have great-grandfathers, no, but, but you know living, I mean. you mean, or, yes. or of... Li- I knew... I met, like, half of my great-grandparents. No, three of my great-grandparents, which there would be eight, so I, I met three of them. Do you, did you I'd, meet any of yours that you know not of? Not that I know of. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I remember two of them, for sure, so... Um, my family never spoke about this until after he passed due to the impact it Uh, had on him. Yeah, I'm sure sure that was so traumatizing. He became a withdrawn, depressed man who rarely spoke afterwards and never once mentioned how it affected him. That's so sad. And in the 50s. Well, I mean, we know how it affected him. Well, yeah, it sounds like we sure do, right? Um... And there and was and there was no in that time there was no outlet. Right. It was just like, oh, just get over it. Right. This they still called things shell shock, you yeah. know, PTSD well, shell shock. I mean shock people didn't like know. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we only recently like found out like, right? in the, in the mm-hmm. last like 20, 30 years. Right. Like, oh. And, well, and started taking mental health really <laughs> seriously. seriously. Yeah. Uh-huh. In fact, I only found out that he helped when I was doing my family research for a school project and my mom mentioned it to me. Wow. I have attached a bunch of images of the disaster for you, as well as a Word document. The document will need to be reworded if you have the time. Oops, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Caitlin, I did not reword it. (laughs) As a lot of it was copied and pasted due to my struggle to find time to type it up whilst juggling, studying, and constant health issues, so my apologies for that. No No apologies apologies necessary. Especially, like, we get that when when everybody... The opposite of Nirvana's hit song. (laughs) We understand that, like, when our listeners submit scripts, we understand that you are taking time to... (laughs) To do this. For us. And that is so kind. and It it helps a ton. Massively. And we will... We We wouldn't have gotten... We would not have... upset at that. We would not have arrived Mm -hmm. to this many episodes Mm -hmm. without your help. I agree. I agree with that. Um, we would have done the capitalism episode a long time ago. <laughs> and been done with it. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I hope at some point you cover this disaster. Uh-huh. As it hasn't been covered on any podcast yet and also is oh. very unknown outside of New Zealand in this day and age with the bigger, well-covered deco- well disasters being main ones being taught about. Hmm. Kind regards, Caitlin J. Interesting. All righty. Well, thank you for sharing it with us. I, I this wasn't even on our list. Like I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't know that anyone had a. If it's never it. been covered, then yeah. If, if Caitlin couldn't even find another pot that did it, yeah. Because there are plenty we have on our list, on our radar, this and that that other podcasts have done. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Tons. Lots yeah, of stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we'll we'll get to them. <laughs> well, we already have. <laughs> so. Um, I, I wrote wrote in my best uh, tr- pronunciations for the Maori words sure. in... They're not easy. Uh, well, you know what? It's actually not that complicated. The Maori alphabet is not extensive. It's just not a language I grew up speaking sure. or really know how it's, to speak. It's not, it's not native to us. Yes. <laughs> and I, don't, I haven't even studied it, yeah. so... This is just my best 
<laughs> approximation. I have been told by New Zealanders that I do quite well, all oh. things considered. So, thank you. Now watch me butcher every I, word. I, I do not want to know what New Zealanders think about me. <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure in the early days of the pod, I said Maori instead of Maori. Maori. <laughs> but anyway, this is, and again, doing my best on the pronunciation, this is the Tengafai disaster. Mm. So Tengafai translates to weeping waters in Maori. The Wellington Auckland night express train crashed into the flooded mm. Fungahu River at Tengafai, 10 kilometers west of Wauru in the central North Island at 10.21 p.m. on Christmas Eve, so December 24th, 1953. A a train derailment on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. I mean, not that there's a good time for Right, but that's kind of like an extra shitty time. Well, what it is... Because you know that people are traveling to see family and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like what I imagine, and I say imagine because, like, you know, knock on wood, Thank lucky stars, God, whatever. Um, I haven't had like somebody very close to me pass. It will happen. I know it's going to happen to all of us, right? It happens it's if you live me, long enough. Happened to me four times. Yeah. Um, and I know that for me, I am dead positive that I will remember the date because I'm big on like dates, sure. you know, uh, anniversaries, birthdays, things like that. And I know I will remember the date that somebody close to me passes. And every year that that date comes up, I will remember it. And so for it to be associated with a holiday, especially mm, like a big yeah. holiday, is really shitty. Yeah. Because then every time because when everybody's are, celebrating. Because people are getting getting together for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly just to be together. Mm-hmm. You know. There's always going to be the... Oh, this was the day. This is Christmas Eve. Yay, Merry Christmas. Oh, and this was also the day my loved one died. Yeah. yeah. That's horrible. It's not a... Not... Yeah. Yeah. And it was in the evening on Christmas Eve, which means it was almost Christmas. Mm-hmm. In New Zealand's deadliest railway tragedy, mm-hmm. 151 passengers and crew members died. Wow. That's... Especially That's for... Lot. Yeah, it's a big for any especially disaster for, in a small um, nation. Especially for, we're talking 1953. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, trains have been around for 100 years oh, at this yeah, point. Uh-huh, for a long time. Uh-huh. So it's, you yeah. know, the science is mm-hmm. behind like, all right, how do we keep trains on rail safe? Dropping off payloads, this and that. Right, and it would almost feel different if it were a plane crash in like the 30s, Or, or if right, this had happened something. in 1853. Oh, right. It'd uh-huh. be like, okay, yeah, train derail in 18... I'm sure they happened all the fucking time. Right. You know, it's a brand new technology. Well, it says it crashed into a river, flooded <sighs> river, so let's... Yeah. I don't know that it... Der- I'm not sure what exactly sure happened. Let's find that, yeah. out. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was the world's eighth deadliest train tragedy at the time. That's pretty high back for back then. Like you said, trains have been around a hundred years. So, and it made headlines all around the world. The entire country was taken aback with a population of just over two million people. Yeah, that's a lot of people for it is uh, that small of a nation. Many people yeah, had. A- we we have multiple cities in this country that have more than two million people mm-hmm, in it. Mm-hmm. We've got like six or seven at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um. 
Uh, Many people had a personal connection to someone who was engaged in the tragedy. The majority of individuals on board were returning home for the holidays, laden with gifts for friends and family. Those waiting to see their loved ones at the various stations farther up the line had no idea what was happening on the volcanic plateau. Oh, man. On the banks of the Fungahu, Fungahu Fungahu River... Searchers discovered several broken, mud-soaked presents, toys, and teddy bears over the next several days because it was people with gifts. So, mm. oh, no wonder poor Caitlin's uh, or Ka- Caitlin's poor like grand great grandfather was like, did like fucked a, up after it. Like the early beginnings of a volcano happened. Like what? Well, is, let's find yeah. out. I don't know. Okay. Because a mudslide is is very typical of like the early stage of a volcano right. exploding. Well, let's talk about it. So we've talked about this, and I didn't look up the pronunciation of this. Lahar? L-A-H-A-R? Anyway. So note about that Lahars on, on the mountain. So Lahars are a recurring natural event associated with the Mount Ruapahu. With, sorry, with Mount Ru- Ru- Ruapahu. This is what happens when I try to pronounce Maori two beers in. In the investigation that followed the 1953 tragedy, it was discovered that a lahar had substantially weakened the rail bridge at Tangafai in 1925. So years earlier. So way earlier. 28 years I was going to say almost 30 years Mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah. The board recommended the installation of an early warning system upstream on the Fungahu River. Fungahu River. (laughs) A moderate-sized lahar that flowed down the river in March 2007 caused little damage and no injuries thanks to a sophisticated monitoring and alarm system. The subsequent board of inquiry found that the accident was caused by the collapse of the Tefra Dam holding back nearby Ruapahu Crater Lake, creating a large lahar in the Fungahu River, which destroyed one of the bridge piers at Tangafai, only minutes before the train reached the bridge. The volcano itself was not otherwise erupting at the time. Oh, okay. So it sounds like this is more, um, a, and I wish I looked this up, the Lahar or the Lahar or what, however it's pronounced. It's a... Uh, um, it sounds like it's like a like a weather phenomenon. Yes, like very... I need to look it up. I'm sorry. I know you don't like it when I Google That's things. Okay. But, but I know we've talked about this before, and I'm just trying to remember what it is. All right. It's a violent type of, according to Wikipedia, a violent type of mud flow or debris flow composed of a slurry of pyroclastic material. Okay. Rocky so debris. It, yeah. it does have something to do with it. Flows down from eruption. a volcano. Sure. Well, yes. not an eruption. Well, the the early stages no, of No, I don't even think that. It did not. Flow? It's not saying that. Okay. Pyroclastic debris. So it could uh, already be part sure. of the sediment surrounding. So it sounds like a mudslide, but instead of mud, like typical earth and mud, it's the stuff that surrounds a volcano. Hmm. That is there already, like po- well sure. post-eruption. That's what it sounds like to me. And because it's around a volcano maybe it gets heated and cooled in a way that other maybe maybe that changes the dynamics of it yeah sure it does to a degree yeah could be okay that's that's the end of that that's my scientific speculation (laughs) yes please notice we both have highly technical knowledge but not of these things (laughs) i have a degree in nothing So you should listen to me i have a degree in accounting so you (laughs) definitely shouldn't listen to me about lahars All right, so that's the end of the note on Lahars. Lahars, Lahars, Lahars. I think Lahars. 
It looks right. I don't know. Lahars Ulrich. <laughs> that, was a good one. that was a me joke. I'm proud of you. Yeah, good one. You go. Way to go. What do you mean? I do that all the time. <laughs> For New Zealand. 1953 had been a year of significant milestones. In May, Edmund Hillary had scaled the heights of Mount Everest. On December 23rd, or 23rd December, the country could barely control its excitement as the arrival of the beautiful and, at the time, young Queen Elizabeth II and her dashing <laughs> yeah. husband, yeah, she Prince was, Philip. <laughs> she was only, like, 43. <laughs> she seems like she's a trillion years old, doesn't she? Because she oh is. Oh, my God. She's, she's almost 100. I was going like to say, yeah. close to 100. Yeah. She, she, was, she became queen real young. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, she was. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, look at this young dashing man. young lady. She's only, she's only 37. <laughs> and her racist husband, Prince and, Philip. And she, she'll be single soon, fellas. <laughs> All of this changed on Christmas Day when Prime Minister Sidney Holland announced with, quote, profound regret, unquote, News of the accident in a radio broadcast from the military camp at uh, Fuhuru. With no newspapers published on Christmas Day, this was the first many New Zealanders heard of the tragic Mm. events of the previous evening. That makes sense, yeah. The weather on Christmas Eve was fine, and with little recent rain, no one suspected flooding in the, oh boy, Fungahu River. Sorry, I did pronunciation guides for sure. every instance no, except fine. that one. When a good when a goods train crossed the bridge around 7 p.m., the river appeared normal. What transformed the situation was the sudden release of approximately 2 million cubic meters of water from the crater lake of nearby Mount Ruapahu. A um, six-meter-high wave containing water, ice, mud, and rocks surged tsunami-like. The fuck? I know. This is wild. That's, that's almost Down tw- the that's, that's River. essentially 20 feet high. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Six uh-huh. meters. Yeah. Like two stories high. Yeah. Rock, ice, water. Water, ice, mud, and rocks. Uh, yeah, that's not fun. That's not good. At so, all. Like, no. imagine, imagine seeing that. I would not want to. (laughs) Sometime between 10.10 and 10.15 p.m., this lahar struck the concrete pylons of the Tangafai Rail Bridge. Traveling at approximately 65 kilometers per hour, locomotive, it could be either K-A or K, it's big K, little A, 949, and its train of nine carriages and two vans reached the severely weakened bridge Mm. at 10.21 p.m. Oh, this is a bridge so it's just, collapse. I, it's just the a rail. Yeah. Oh. As the bridge buckled beneath its weight, the engine plunged into the river, taking all of all five second class carriages with it. The force of the torrent destroyed four of these carriages. Those inside had a, had little chance of survival. Oh, fucking zero chance. The leading first class carriage, Car Z teetered on the edge of the ruined bridge for a few minutes before breaking free Jesus from Christ. the remaining three carriages and toppling into the river. You're fucking kidding me. This is, oh, this is awful. It rolled downstream before coming to rest on a bank as the water level fell. Remarkably, 21 of the 22 say, maybe passengers some people survived uh-huh, that one. in this carriage survived. So 21 yeah. out of 22 people. Because they were braced for fucking impact for two minutes. Well, they would have been hanging. Yeah. 
so they survived, but can you imagine the trauma? Fuck oh no. Goodness. But they they probably all likely knew it was coming and they were well, they ready they were coming. ready for it that's why only one person passed well by ready for it i mean i don't think you're ready for your train car to plummet down well you, the... you at least have some strategy you know where maybe whereas you could just of course be panicking. you do of course you do but whereas like the people who where the bridge collapsed and all they, these they, cars well, flew they couldn't off do anything yeah nothing mm-hmm. yeah They're, they were at the mercy of they whatever had no, they had no chance yeah Evidence suggests that the locomotive driver, Charles Parker, had applied the emergency brakes some 200 meters from the bridge, so he apparently saw it coming, Mm -hmm. an action which prevented the last three carriages from ending up in the river and saved many lives. Sure. sounds like not his, but wow. Wow, that's that's amazing. Cyril Ellis from... Jeez. I know. Tahiho... Tahiho... Taiope. <laughs> Rachel, getting tipsy trying to pronounce Maori. I am so sorry. That's the, uh, that's, that's going to be that new, uh, program. Tahiope. There we go. What was, what was the, uh, the program? Oh, Drunk History. This is yes, Drunk but... Maori. <laughs> it should be. Had been forced to stop his car when he reached the road bridge, which was submerged, and when he saw the light of the approaching locomotive, he desperately ran towards it, waving a torch, which, Americans, is a flashlight, in an attempt to warn the driver. Later investigations showed that the brakes had been applied, but not soon enough to save most of yeah, those in the first five car five carriages of course not because it was amazing that he had applied the brakes yep. at 200 meters out mm-hmm. like he at least saw what was coming he up, tried. And all of a sudden he, he, it was like mm-hmm. oh shit <laughs> and and had the right instinct yeah. yeah ellis and william inglis the train's guard climbed in to warn the passengers in car z and move them to the carriage behind Fucking oh Christ. the yes. one okay the one that was teetering they were yep. pulling people out okay yeah. good um to get the weight right Almost immediately, Carzy broke free and mm. fell into the river. When it came to rest, Ellis, Inglis, and one of the passengers, John Holman, managed to get all but one of the 22 passengers out. Okay, so they evacuated. That's fabulous. Um, they got them out through the broken windows and onto the side of the carriage. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So they saved 21 people. Mm-hmm. As the floodwaters receded, the survivors were able to form a human chain to make their way to the bank. Sure. Oh, my God. God. That's just what you did back then. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's what no... you do when you need to fucking survive. Yeah. But I, And that's that's fair. It's just that that's really you, traumatic. You also have to remember, this is in 1953. Uh, Post-World War II. Well, in, well, in just like available emergency services, mm-hmm. it's not like what we have today. No 999 or 911. And stuff, no, yeah. I mean, not even a, a first aid, like an ambulance unit. Like, remember that used yeah. to all be held by, like, police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no specific... I mean, in the States, I don't know what it was like in New Zealand. True. But, but I know what you mean, yeah. Obviously, different times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think when shit like this happened, it was, people were just like... Well, we have to react now, yep. yeah. Like, it's up to us now. I do still think it's very cool that they Absolutely. were... That those people were able to... Absolutely. The train's guard and the motorist, just just a guy who was going over the bridge, was like, shit, we need to get these people out. That's really brave. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. Arthur Bell and his wife had also stopped at the flooded road bridge and seen the express crash into the river. 
As his wife went to raise the alarm, also extremely important, Arthur helped rescue survivors from another carriage that had landed on the riverbank. Those who had managed to free themselves were swept further downstream before Mm. they were able to crawl ashore. People nearby had heard an inexplicable roaring noise coming from the direction of forestry plantations, and this had prompted Leo Smith, I'm sorry, Fouru's 22-year-old police constable to investigate. He was one of the first on the scene and directed the rescue until more senior staff arrived from Taihape. In 1953, okay, here you go. There was no national rescue organization. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. <coughs> Members of well, the, well, Just with a population so small. Two million people, yeah. I mean, mm. just naturally, that kind of wouldn't be, you know. Plus the time, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would need to, that would, like you said, it's the size of a city in America like in, like, in a, like states, not so. even a major city in America. like like a not even a, like a sprawling metropolis 2 million mm-hmm. uh you know citizen city here is like a big city yes uh-huh whereas in New Zealand it's all of New Zealand well it was in 1953 <laughs> and, right. I don't know what the current population is but yeah mhm but that's the i mean there are so many people here right yeah yeah so yeah we have a pretty twisted like perspective on yeah. it right so you can throw, you can pull mm-hmm. aside some people and be like, "You're going to be rescue services," right. where they probably didn't have that necessary resource. Well, plus that version of civil organization wasn't really in place as much back in mid-century. Yeah. This is kind of when it got going. Yes, post-war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Members of the New Zealand Forest Service, Ministry of Works, police, navy personnel, groups of farmers, and other local volunteers worked throughout the night. The Fauru military camp provided much-needed manpower as well as transport and shelter for survivors and those involved in the rescue mission. Though the river subsided markedly within 45 minutes of the accident, overnight rescue efforts were still extremely dangerous. The fast-flowing water was full of debris brought down in the lahar and wreckage from the train. Oil and... Oh, oil. Oh, God. The fucking oil. And silt covered passengers and rescuers alike. Daybreak revealed a scene of utter devastation. The river and the surrounding area resembled a muddy estuary at low tide. Twisted and splintered carriages lay everywhere. The rescue operation soon became a body recovery operation. In the following days, bodies stripped and mangled by the flood were recovered as far away as the river mouth 130 kilometers downstream. It is wild to me how nature can strip people. And and how powerful water is here are some pictures oh that man mm. okay yeah here's uh the bridge was <laughs> what bridge yeah i know well imagine <laughs> like the water being gone. that high yeah no shit that's fucking crazy oh here's where everything was found um oh sure like, yep. related to the river yep Everything is, well, that's why this mm-hmm. one guy wound up 130 right. kilometers, because mm-hmm. everything downstream. is going downstream from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, bad. dude, I mean, there's, here, a, there's a reason we can, pictures. there's a reason we can power things with water. <laughs> right. Because right. It's water powerful. is powerful, like, fucking on its it own. Sure is. Yeah, these dude, are some wreckage pictures, which that's are... nuts. Not good. Yeah, this thing just got yeah. this thing just got pulled apart essentially. It really it really did. 
In his broadcast on Christmas Day, Prime Minister Sidney Holland asked, quote, Farmers and others with property on the banks of this river as far as the sea to keep a close watch for bodies and to send reports to the nearest police station. Mm-hmm. Sure. Can you imagine? Well, it's a it's a oh, it's a national address on it's a national tragedy. It is. It is. And, yes. Uh huh. I mean, the one thing this is 1953 again, but at this time, especially I would think in New Zealand, radio is very popular, so that's how oh, yes. everybody's uh-huh. hearing everything. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, there's not uh, breaking news on TV no. in 1953. TVs are new in America in 1953. So everybody's hearing this on the radio and everybody's like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And because New Zealand is a spacious place, there are just certain population centers. And this is probably mm-hmm. one of them where mm-hmm. people are like, holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got a... What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. About 60 bodies were recovered by locals from the Mangamehu section of the river. Yeah. Some of the 20 bodies that were never recovered may have been washed out to sea. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. George Twentyman, a young constable, was in charge of the enormous volume of clerical work. Jeez, yeah, you don't even think of the paperwork involved in recording bodies Mm -hmm. and property Mm -hmm. to ensure they were kept together. This experience was to be put to good use when he took command of the rescue operation during the during the Wahine tragedy in 1968. No which shit. Stephen did the yes. script for. Yes. Oh, that's uh, I it's I don't I shouldn't say I love it when our disasters coincide, but you know what I mean, like the crossovers well, here's, is so Here's the thing, like yeah, like nobody thinks of like that was never an episode of Dirty Jobs. Right was the, of the guy of the, that has to tag fifty bodies mm-hmm. in a train derailment. Well, or or you know, like fill out the paperwork of the death certificates and who some, was who and where's some, the stuff. Somebody does. And think of what a massively important job that is. Of course it is to the families to get their effects to everything. Back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. To, to determining the death toll. To, to everything. To determining life insurance. Mm-hmm. To determining. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, like. The federal government can't collect taxes anymore because he's oh right passed yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like all sorts of. But yeah, yeah. Somebody does that. And I, so, I don't want to know that person. I'm not that person. Oh, I wouldn't mind knowing that person. I just wouldn't want to know that somebody does that. I don't know. Well, we do know that somebody does. I that. know, but I don't want to know that person. <laughs> The Queen awarded Cyril Ellison, John Holman, the George Medal for their services at Tangify. They well deserved. William Inglis and Arthur Bell, who had together rescued 16 people, received the British Empire Medal. While many of the survivors were, quote... These are like civilian awards. I think so. It sounds like it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I I don't know for sure, but it it sounds like it. Many of the survivors were, quote, shocked, filthy, choked with silt, and half-blind with oil, end quote. fuck yeah. They were the lucky ones. Ugh. They were the lucky ones. <sighs> well, because they were alive. Yeah. Identifying victims is a major task following any mass tragedy. A number of circumstances made this process particularly difficult at Tengafai. Summer heat. Mm. That's right, because it's Chris. Mm-hmm. I say this literally every episode that we take that we do that Chris, place in the Christmas southern hemisphere. Is, is Christmas in the to <laughs> them is like Fourth of July to us. It's eighty-five degrees yes. out. <laughs> And people, like, yes. like, go outside and have a good time. Palm trees, yeah. like Christmas, yeah. 
Summer heat and a lack of refrigerated facilities meant that the initial identification had to be carried out as quickly as possible, and in some cases was inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Some of those killed were recent arrivals to New Zealand, who had no relatives or local medical or dental records to help identify them. That's so sad. Police cleaned out... Cleaned and laid out the bodies in coffins in a makeshift mortuary set up at the army camp. Coroner's courts were hastily convened at Fururu, Fururu legally deter, uh, to legally determine identity and issue death certificates. Pathologist Dr. J.O. Mercer pronounced the main causes of death to be drowning and asphyxiation sure, by Jesus silt. Christ. These people, poor people didn't just die from, like, drowning and, like, choking on water. They fucking choked on silt, mm-hmm. which is horrifying. They choked. Yep. They choked to death. That's, that's, that is horrifying. That is really bad. After a few days, the police inspector in charge, future commissioner Willis Brown, had made the difficult decision to hold a mass identification to speed up the process. Oh, yeah, that's hard, but, Yeah. With clergy on hand to give support, that's very good. He prepared the relatives for what to expect before asking them to file past the partly open coffins. Uh, can you imagine? Like you're no. not you're not just looking you're not, for your and, loved one. You have to see all the other dead bodies. And too. you're not even sure if you're not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, until you see them, and then you're devastated. And, yeah. Oh. And we're talking about people who were probably crushed and stuff like that. So how can you even be sure that? Or, or covered in oil. It's yeah. just, ugh. No. The, mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's hoping none of us ever have to do something like that. Yeah. The remaining unclaimed bodies were then transferred to hospital mortuaries in Wellington and uh, Funganuhi. Funganuhi. Yeah. Something like that. Christmas Day services gave New Zealanders the opportunity to express their collective grief. Many messages of sympathy were received from overseas. I guess that's not like the upside. There is no upside. But, you know, like, people probably had the day off from work. Sure. It was like a day of national mourning. So, yeah. And then this is... turned out to be, like, probably a terrible holiday for a lot of people. God, not yeah. even not even the people who weren't directly affected by mm-hmm. it, because you. I mean, you're thinking of a country of two million people, so you know that you're. You know what? Like, uh, if you if you did the fractions, it's probably the equivalent of nine eleven. Right. Like for well, I'm I'm just US. thinking like a country with a citizenry that small. Mm-hmm. Probably everybody has the feeling of like, hey, we all got to stick together. Yes. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. A little you know, more we're all like a city, right? It's yeah. not the United mm-hmm. States, right? You know, we're not a hundred million strong. Like we're just, we're just kind of here, right? Mm-hmm. And we've got to keep going, whatever. So yeah. it, it probably, I'm sure, it did affect every, yeah, uh-huh. and probably Australians too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, probably. Queen Elizabeth made her Christmas broadcast from Auckland. Finishing with a message of sympathy for the people of New Zealand. There were more than a hundred private funerals, and on Mm. 31st of December, Prince Philip attended the state funeral for 21 unidentified victims who were buried in an eight-meter grave at Wellington's Karori Cemetery. In April 1954, information from overseas confirmed that several of these bodies had been misidentified. An order was obtained to exhume the graves... 
a task that was carried out by police recruits. The bodies of 16, including eight whose remains were never identified, still lie at the Tungvai National Memorial at Karori, which was dedicated in 1957. A further death occurred when a worker was killed during the rebuilding of the Tungafai Railway oh. Bridge, which reopened in 1957. Well, that's awful. But, you know... Um, it sounds like this was a major passageway. I, well, it they needed had to be to, rebuilt. They had to get and, a, yeah. a bridge up mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. like up and running. With an early warning system, like mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin told us about earlier. Yes. Um, but well, what's... Uh, well, they learned from it. Good yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. What is... Uh, uh, what what's horrible is that so there were unidentified people right mm. and some people were new arrivals to New Zealand that that's, means that's somewhere pro- that's probably the unidentified that means somewhere there were families who never found out what happened yeah, to their loved no ones no clue that's horrible yeah that's horrible well i mean uh, in 1953 mm-hmm. that might have just been the way it was mm. You know what I mean? I feel like it, that may have been the, the way it was in like the 1800s. This feels uh, a little too I don't know. Too you're, talking about, you're talking about like foreign people going mm. to a new... I don't I know. I mean, you know what? It, th- there is a fair point that um, if you are... If you didn't have proper that, identification. That people, unfortunately, like people who immigrate now yeah. don't know how things will yeah. end up for them or their family yeah. members, which is horrific um, and is not the way it should be. But yeah, so... I mean, again, we've we've got to think this is seventy years ago. It is seventy years ago. I, what I'm saying is, it's just not like oh, this is still the mid twentieth oh, century. I, I agree. You know? Like I agree with what you're saying, but in almost, context, mm-hmm. almost everyone killed at Tangafai was traveling in a second class carriage. Mm. One hundred forty eight out of one hundred fifty one victims. Traditionally located at the front of the train, Mm. these were more affected by the noise, smoke, coal, dust, and fumes of the locomotive, something those in first class paid to avoid. In a head-on collision or derailment, second-class passengers were at a greater risk of death or injury. At Tangavai, just 28 um, of the more than 170 second-class passengers survived. Only 28. Um... Only one first-class passenger was lost, along with the driver and fireman. Most of the passengers in the final three of the first-class carriages, which remained on the track, initially did not even know what happened to their train. They just thought they were stopped, probably. The Tangavai tragedy killed more people than the combined total of all other rail accidents in New Zealand history. The next worst accidents, the Hyde in 1943... And, ooh, I didn't do this one. Ongaru, in 1923, com- claimed 21 and 17 lives, respectively. So this blew and that's, that by a long that's, shot. And that's tragic in its own right. Oh, it's horrible. And it's not even fucking close. No. Like you could add, you, could, you could add those two figures together. Well, that's t- what that's what times Caitlin it said. by, like, three or four. Yeah, Caitlin said every other rail disaster in New, Zing- New Zealand yeah. history. On Christmas Eve each year, the express train slows as it crosses the bridge, new bridge across the, um, oh boy, this is, <laughs> this is getting sad uh, that I can't pronounce these even though I've said it, Fangaihu River, and the driver throws a bunch of flowers into the water. That's very sweet. Mm-hmm. A card reads, quote, nice tribute. it is, quote, in memory of all who died at Tungify on Christmas Eve, 1953. Here's a picture of the massacre. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. 
You know what? I mean, it. It looks, looks very respectful pretty. Looks and pretty. like well, they they did a good job. Sure. I I do very much appreciate like because it's not like oh here's like an open no, pit no it, like there's no, no, no. flowers proper, and stairs it was and, a proper service yeah, yeah. it's nice mm-hmm. and that's probably like the nicest you could have made it I agree so it's yeah mm-hmm. but that's yeah that was very respectful mm-hmm. so that my friends is the story of the Tengafai disaster well no wonder no other podcast has done that it's one before because it's depressing as fucking hell they, they're probably like they're like uh no no not this one not not today you know it was really depressing because this is a disaster podcast but very well done caitlin what? thank Absolutely. you so much thank for you. sharing that it wasn't even on our radar so <clears throat> excuse me i'm glad that we learned about it like as yes. as it was and i'm glad that our technology decided to cooperate on it and hey we're obviously both happy that you wrote the script yes thank you so much well done and with all the stuff you had going on too we really appreciate it thank you so much and we're so glad we're your absolute favorite podcast ever (laughs) you need to listen to more podcasts no i'm joking we're glad and confused at the same Mm -hmm. time (laughs) all right it is a tuesday night i am two beers in i need to wake up in just over eight hours, so I think we'll wrap this up as one of our shortest episodes ever, potentially. Uh, it's up there. And <laughs> it's down there. Or it's down there. Do I have the... Uh... Oh, there it is. In green. That's why I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. The Tangify Disaster. That's what I was just going to... Okay. So that was the Tangify Disaster. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.